Hi, and welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians that are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Have you ever felt like all of your dreams came to nothing just when it seemed that you were about to get a breakthrough? Or maybe the events of the last year have left you feeling stuck, not knowing where or even how to begin to find the inspiration to start a new chapter. If any of this sounds familiar, then you are going to love my conversation today with Brianna Barnes. Brianna, she's a triple threat, a writer, singer, and performer that has always dreamed of being on Broadway. And at the beginning of 2020, it looked like her dream was just about to come true. Then COVID hit and Broadway completely shut down. Just when it seemed her dream was about to come true, it all fell apart. In this episode, Brianna talks honestly about how she processed that pain and disappointment with God, how she got re-inspired to create again, and how God answered her prayers in a completely unexpected way. If you've experienced the pain of disappointment and setback in your own goals and dreams, then Brianna's story is sure to inspire you. She also shares practical advice for anyone who needs inspiration to begin their own next act. You'll meet Brianna in just a moment, but first, I want to invite you to join the ongoing conversation about faith, productivity, and business by subscribing to our newsletter. Get emails about the latest updates featuring new podcast episodes, productivity tips from a Christian perspective, and more. Just go to donsadler.com slash subscribe to sign up. Also, I want to let you know that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Brianna online at donsadler.com slash 045. And now let's meet Brianna. Hi, Brianna. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dawn. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited for this conversation. I can't wait to jump in. I think beforehand when we were talking about it, we were both getting really excited about it. But um, uh, just to start off for any of our listeners who don't already know uh, who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, my name is Brianna Barnes. I live in New York City in Manhattan in the neighborhood of Washington Heights. Um, I am a musical theater actor, so that's singing, acting, and dancing for the Broadway stage. Um, Also a singer-songwriter, and most recently a playwright. Um, I'm working on my first musical. So kind of got my hands in a lot of creative avenues um, and have been in New York City for almost five years. So, um, that's incredible. Now, this is a super interesting conversation. If anybody has followed what's happening with Broadway here in 2020, um, it hasn't been the most robust year, uh, (laughs) for a lot of reasons, but, uh, obviously this impacted because you are full, fully in, um, fully in this business, fully in this career. And so I just want to just to kind of paint a picture for our listeners, I want to go back to January 1st, 2020. <laughs> and I want to ask, I know, right? Um, everybody's like, no, no, what let's not time. go back there. <laughs> <laughs> We were so innocent back then. We were. Um, uh, but tell us what you thought your 2020 was going to look like. 
Honestly, it's so funny that you ask that because now that I think about it, I had had such confidence going into this year that it was going to be a game changer year. I don't know if you kind of have those feelings sometimes where you're like, I'm about to walk into a good season. I had had that feeling, which is so funny looking back now. Um, I had prayed and fasted at the beginning of the year with our church about my Broadway debut, which I have not had yet. I've worked regionally around the country for many years professionally, but really, you know, I'm still waiting for that Broadway debut. And it's something that I just hadn't really spent time praying for because of various reasons, mostly just feeling like God didn't care about my dreams or it was it was too selfish of a thing to ask for. But God really worked on my heart with that. And I had started praying and fasting. And January, I had three Broadway audition appointments and a callback um, for the first wow. time in years. And I really felt like God had answered my prayer. And I was like, this is the year, like, this is going to be the time. Um, right before the shutdown, I was in callbacks for three different contracts um, that were going to fill up my summer. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a goal-oriented person like you, Don. So I was like so ready to check the box off of like two or three of the goals that I had made for the year professionally. I was like, this is when it's going to happen. And then literally I went to my last callback at the end of March and there was, it was right when everything was starting to shut down. It was an empty building. It was super weird. I remember being scared to get on the train and washing my hands. And what do you know, after that, everything just completely dropped. But I had gone into the year really feeling like this was going to be a monumental year, which, you know, we'll get into this, but it actually has just in a totally different way than I had expected in January 1st. I actually didn't know about the Broadway stuff. I didn't know about that part of your story. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I just got punched in the gut just hearing you talk <laughs> about it. So how did that feel for you? What? How did you experience that? I mean, it was just frustrating, I guess, if I'm being completely honest, because, you know, this is sort of one of the hills that I stand on is like, I allow myself to just be mad and frustrated with God. I think it's a practice that we don't allow ourselves to do very much in modern contemporary Western Christianity. Um, lament has become really important to me. And so in that season, honestly, it was like, why would you have brought me this far, God? Why would you have risen my faith this much in my heart only to leave me disappointed? Or or why would why would all of these steps seem to be so clear or things seem to be falling into place just to be suddenly wiped away. Um, and I honestly, I, I sat in that frustration for a while. I mean, the one comforting thing that I know everyone listening to this can relate to is that this was not something isolated. It was something that was affecting everybody. So at least I could take comfort in that, that it wasn't like, you know, someone else got the job or um, I got all these callbacks and then just didn't get it. It was like, oh, my entire industry and every working actor is now unemployed and out of work with no, still no really clear end in sight. Gosh, I, um, I'm so overwhelmed by that, yeah. I, that I did not know that part of the story. Yeah. I, um, oh my gosh. So 
you, I love what you said about, I just allowed myself to be mad. <laughs> and I, I want to talk about that because I don't know if you've experienced this too, but I've had so many people who've said to me this year, I don't want to, um, you know, everyone, there are other people who have it so much worse. Like, yes, mm-hmm. my plans fell apart, but people are losing family members or there's right. you know, all this stuff happening in the world. And I think that God calls us to have our feelings with him. I mean, that sounds so totally. obvious. And yet so many people feel like they don't have the right to have those feelings and those conversations with God comparatively. Right. Can you just talk to me a little bit about how you, what you would say to somebody who maybe feels that way this year? Absolutely. I think, I think we're so much, it's easier for us to say that God celebrates our small victories and big victories, but it's so much harder to say that God's, that God uh, mourns our small um, frustrations as well as the big frustrations. So somehow we've, we've, we believe the narrative of like, well, God cares about the small things and the big things. But when it comes to the things that we're describing here, where it's like, I'm talking about unemployment for a dream of being on Broadway versus someone, you know, losing someone in their family. Those are both horrible things on different scales and on different, um, just in totally different circumstances and levels. And because I don't think it's an either or and I think God deeply cares about both and weeps with both. So if we if we believe the positive version of it, that God cares about our small victories, our small wins, our small celebrations, our small blessings, I think it's also, you know, fair to say that He cares about what we might deem a small thing that we're frustrated with um, in our lens, but but He mourns with us. And I think me realizing that, you know, God is not just a God on the mountaintop celebrating. He's also this personal, intimate um, person I can sit and 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 whine and complain and be mad with and be mad at. And he's not afraid of that. Like he's not he's not going to go away. You know, I can I can punch and scream all I want um, in his presence. You know, in in a holy way, even if that's like so strange to say. But I think there's such a thing as like just holy, messy frustration and anger, especially in a year like 2020. And I think God God would desire for us not to run the other way and experience that in another room. He'd rather be in the room with us, I think, while we kick and scream. And I think sometimes we just have to be willing to allow Him in the room, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's a couple things that that I was thinking of as you talk, because I think all of that is true. One is how many times I come back to the story of Lazarus, that he weeps with us, mm. even as he holds the miracle that's right around the corner mm. as well. But I love what you said about we can be mad at God and He does not leave because there's been a lot of talk this year, especially with the election and all the stuff going on about cancel culture, Right. right? Yes. You have to agree with me and you have to think the way that I think and you have to say it the way that I want it said or I'm just going to cancel you. Yeah. And God never cancels us. Like we can, (laughs) we can have those moments and he never, you know, he never mutes us. He never unfollows us, um, to put it in a modern context. And I, and I love that. And it's necessary this year, whether, it's, uh, you know, whatever the disappointment is, whatever the setback it is, whatever the questions are, whatever the unanswered prayer is, it is good and right and necessary for mm-hmm. us to process that with God. And um, and those are some big disappointments that you walked through earlier this year. Yeah. I, um, yeah. How long did it take you? 
How long did it take you of being mad and processing some of that disappointment before things turned around for you? And and it has been a, a phenomenal year. We're going to jump into that. But how long was that mourning process, do you think? I mean, it was a couple months. I'll be honest. When the whole rhetoric going around social media about Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the Black Plague. And, you know, I had I had had I'd been writing this musical, you know, a little bit before the pandemic had started, and I was just feeling all this pressure to like be creative and and you know I do write, so it's not like I'm one of those performers who has never dabbled in writing and, and is suddenly feeling like they need to. Like that is a huge part of my life. And I just felt like I was frozen and I couldn't move. I remember telling my parents on the phone, like, I know I should be doing X, Y, Z, and I'm never going to have this amount of time again, but I just can't find the strength to do it. I can't pick up my pen. I can't open my computer. Um, And I think what kind of switched the light back on Maybe kind of weird, but it's actually great advice that I've given even some other people who've found themselves still just trying to claw their way out of the COVID slump. Um, yeah. I started reading a lot. So I started like mm. receiving and ingesting more yeah. story and uh, information and authors and music. Um, I, that's something that in my normal like New York hustle life, I don't make a ton of time to do. I do love to read and I do love podcasts, but it's not a huge part of my regular rhythm. And so instead of like trying to muscle out some amazing song or, you know, scene for my musical or, or, or whatever, trying to create something just out of sheer will, um, I just started receiving. Um, I read a skew of just really great books kind of right in a row that just spoke to kind of some things spiritually that I just had never considered before. Um, One of them was Reframation by Alan Hirsch, and it just like rocked my world. Another one was Miracles and Other Reasonable Things by Sarah Bessie, also rocked my world. And it was just starting to give me this like new language and new vocabulary and new perspective. And as a creative person, and I'm sure you resonate with this as well, you start to sort of let your imagination like function again. I felt my imagination just sort of like start coming alive and I was finally inspired. And I think sometimes high productivity people, we we try to muscle out something without receiving inspiration first <laughs> mm-hmm. or we just want it to like happen like like that and i think something we often miss like a type a enneagram 3 type of person like me is like there is so much value to waiting to be inspired because then the thing that you're creating is actually, it actually increases the value because you are writing from a different place. You're writing from a place of actual experience and encounter and not just from a place of trying to make something that's, that's really good or that other people will like. It's like, I was suddenly writing songs and I mean, I think I wrote like seven new songs in this span of like two or three months all of a sudden, because I was just so inspired by the Holy Spirit and all of these things that I was reading and ingesting. Um, so that's what really made the switch for me kind of in the middle of the summer. 
It's so interesting that you say that because I feel the same way. I feel like this year I returned to a lot more like filling, filling the bucket, right? Mm. Filling the creative bucket. And I feel like, uh, in doing so, I realized how much I had been operating out of pride, which is only I have the ideas, right? I have all the ideas. I have all the best ideas, or I'm so like, you know, the Holy Spirit gives me ideas, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us through a lot, a lot, a lot of different ways, as you know, through books and podcasts and conversations and all of those things. And I think that um, to your point, I do think that high productivity, high capacity people, we can just like give and give and give and give. And I don't know about you, but I actually, I struggle to slow down and learn because I feel like uh, I can almost get to the point where I'm like, no, I, I need to be producing something. But that rhythm of slowing down, of allowing the ideas to flow, and even if it's not anything related to your core competency, you know, could be fiction. It could be walking through a museum back when we could do those things. Um, All of that stuff matters as part of a natural rhythm, not just for creatives, but really for anybody who wants to hear from God. Do you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. And I think it makes the product better. Like, I think... yeah. I totally relate to the, to the pride thing because you're like, well, I've done X, Y, Z before. Why can't I just do it again? And the reality is you probably could create a pretty great product without God's help. But the thing that changes it from great to amazing, I think is that in between step of waiting on the Lord and being inspired and following his lead. And then when you actually allow yourself to do that, in my experience, now I don't want to go back because because I know that when I wait on the Lord and create with Him, it's just so much better. Like right now, for instance, we are about to br- uh, storyboard a music video for one of my singles coming out. And I did the exact thing we're talking about. I went to my page. I immediately started writing, hadn't said one prayer about it, like just write, 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 write. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I got to the end of it. And yesterday I was just so frustrated because I was like, this is missing something. I, I was doubting myself. I was just feeling like this isn't right. And I realized I have not asked the Lord about this at all. I have not waited mm. on the inspiration. I have not asked him like, how should this look? What should this be? I hadn't, I hadn't spent time in his presence about it. And now that I know what it feels like to create from a space of inspiration and and waiting on the Lord in His presence, now it's like, oh, I can recognize when I'm doing something without that. And I think that tool, I don't know if it's a tool, but that that experience of like recognizing the difference, I think is going to serve me in my life like invaluably as the years go on because I'll be able to tell when I'm operating just out of muscle or really operating out of partnership with the Holy Spirit. I think that's brilliant. I think this is really, um, and we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but this is my 
favorite thing about you. Absolutely my favorite thing about you, because we were talking about this idea of productivity and presence. And, um, you know, you referenced earlier how when the pandemic hit, some people were saying, oh, you know, go write a symphony or whatever. And then there were other people who were saying, no, you need to slow down. You just need to get quiet with the Lord. And both of those are super judgy, shaming statements and not useful. But um, I think all of us can probably relate to this idea of when do I wait and when do I move? And what is, you know, what is me rushing ahead of God? What is obedience? And that intersection, that managing that tension between um, presence and productivity is exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think probably what led to this, this, can I call it a turn of events in your year? Um, So let's talk about what happened next. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of even where to start. Right before the pandemic, I had had a friend from Liberty Church, which is where I, Don and I attend um, yep. in my community, Upper West Side. I had someone on our team approach me sort of out of the blue um, and said, hey, have you ever thought about recording an album? And I thought, well, of course I have. I've thought about it a whole lot of times, but I don't have <laughs> the financial means to do so. Um and he just sort of very nonchalantly was like, well, let's let's record one. And in my head, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? I remember going to my husband and being like, I like, what does he mean by that? Is he gonna like like he wants to record it or like he like what? What does that exactly mean? So fast forward to August, um, or I don't know if it was August, sometime in the summer. I had approached him again and was like, you know what? I know everything is crazy right now and it seems like a terrible time to try to record an album, but I think this is the moment that I want to do this. And he was like, okay, how much do we need? And in my head, I thought, gosh, I need about $10,000 to pull this off in the way that I want to do it with quality and excellence and like have it be something that I'm proud of still like five years from now. And that seemed way too high of a number to say out loud. (laughs) So I gave him a much smaller number and we together, we were like, you know what? He decided he was going to put some money in and then the rest of it, we were going to crowdfund, which is something I had done before, but in a much smaller way and for something much less personal to me. And this sort of felt like the opposite of what it just felt so like it went against every instinct in me to try to raise money in the middle of a pandemic uh, when people are suffering economically and just there's so many things to give to. And it just seemed like it was going to be impossible. Um, but, you know, now it's funny now that I'm thinking about it. It goes exactly with our conversation that we're having about waiting on the Lord. I remember... I had one afternoon where I did one of uh, Caroline Williams, funny enough, uh, Abby videos, her yoga teaching, mm-hmm. um, the Abby, which I think she's been a guest on here as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing one for videos and she had us do this meditating exercise. And the funniest part was I was not going to spend any time that day doing any exercise or doing any prayer time. I was like, I don't have time. I just got to go. And I thought, you know what? Uh, let me just put on one of Caroline's like 10 minute things. So I go into it really not expecting much. And my goodness, Dawn, at the end of that meditation where she had us ask God questions, I have never felt 
I have never had an experience with the Holy Spirit like that. I immediately felt the presence of the Lord enter the room. I started weeping and I'm not someone who like hears uh, words from the Lord very often. I have in a worship leader setting in a group of believers, but on a personal level, um, that's not often how the Lord speaks to me. And my goodness, I got three very specific words in that moment of just waiting on the Lord. And the three things were, I'll just do it really briefly because it was, it did really just flip the switch on what I thought was possible. The first thing was, he said, you are here to bring my lost sheep home. And I thought, mm. what an interesting phrase to say. That was so not from me. That's how I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I was like, that is so not a phrase that like I would <laughs> think of, like bring my lost sheep home. And I started thinking about my music and I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is my audience bringing lost sheep home. The second thing was, I had this overwhelming sense of how hard this next season was going to be. He was like, this is going to be really hard. Your feet are going to be in two different worlds. You're not going to please either world enough. And it's going to be really, really difficult. So I kind of felt the weight of that. And then the third thing was, but keep your eyes fixed on me. I will do it was the phrase. And I thought, I will do it. And all of a sudden, I felt my faith rise up like never before that at, in that moment, I didn't know what he was talking about. And to be honest, he could have still been talking about something different. But long story short, we do this crowdfunding. We raise 90% of the money in the first 72 hours. And then we go wow. over the goal and actually end up raising the full 10,000 that I knew I really needed, but didn't announce to everyone. I did a smaller number. And God just totally did it. <laughs> he just came through. And so now I'm in the midst of recording my very first studio album of original music. Um, and that's what's been my last two months is laying down the tracks um, for these songs. But just this like, overwhelming sense that God was like, it's going to be really hard, but keep your eyes on me. I will do it. Was like, what? Whoa. And I've just been blown away ever since then. And sort of just feels like walking in a, you know, when you feel you're walking in an answered prayer or you're walking in a season that you've always dreamed of, like, it feels mm -hmm. so weird to be doing that in 2020 when so many are hurting. Um, but it has given me such hope that there are like no circumstances or obstacles that God can't still work around and make beauty out of. It's just mind-blowing, honestly. I'll return to my interview with Brianna Barnes in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you a question. Do you need some help mapping out your own next act in the year ahead? Well, I've got some good news. I'm offering a special on my Peak Year printable planner just for podcast listeners. The Peak Year printable planner is a tongue twister, but it's also a step-by-step -step planner to help you plan out your annual goals and then break them down into quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily action items. The Peak Year printable planner will help you simplify even your most overwhelming goals, with a simple plan that you can use to build momentum and achieve what matters most. 
Now, the Peak Year Printable Planner is undated, which means that you can start anytime. And since it's printable, you'll get immediate access and you can use it forever. As my way of saying thank you for being a loyal podcast listener, I'm offering 20% off to you with the code podcast. Just go to donsouther.com slash peak planner to get started. And now back to my conversation with Brianna Barnes. Yeah, I think um, I think that's incredible. That was such an exciting thing to watch. I, Matt and I were checking your <laughs> we were checking your crowdfunding site like every ten minutes and just being astounded. Um, but one one of the things that is so remarkable is that um, is that you had God speak to you. You felt to record an album, but here's the thing that I really. Uh, loved about this story is that at a time when it was very difficult for musicians to get work here in New York City because of everything, you made a commitment. The reason that you raised that much money is because you had a commitment to pay every professional musician their going rate. Yes. And those were musicians that were both believers and non-believers, right? Yes. Mostly non-believers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved that you brought people along with you. Um, and, and I really respected that, but tell me about the process of this album. And uh, it's an amazing album. I had an opportunity to hear some of the songs already. We're going to talk about one of them in a minute, but tell me about the process of, um, recording this music with non-believers? What kind of effect did that have in the recording process? It's just been amazing. Um, you know, I grew up in this world of like secular music and sacred music. There was always this like boundary. So anyone that's grown up in the like evangelical church world, you had your like Christian artists and you had your quote unquote secular artists. And there was always this big divide. And I I've always walked in these two worlds. I mean, my whole life, I'm a, I'm a preacher's daughter. Um, so I definitely know what it is to be in the church and leading from the church. But I've also always been involved in theater and the arts, um, which, to be honest, uh, it's no surprise to anyone that the arts has often been rejected and hurt a lot by the church. So I've always sort of had my feet in these two worlds. Um, and I knew that when I was going to put an album out of my original music for the world to hear for the first time, um, I wanted it to be something that invited more people to the table. I didn't want it to be classified with these, with these um, stereotypes of um, these boundaries of secular and sacred. I wanted to write music that invited you know, a spiritually homeless person who just sort of doesn't have a home anywhere uh, religiously, and at the same time, someone who is deeply devoted to Christ. Um, I wanted to write music that was an invitation, and I think that the musicians that I had involved with this really resonated with that. Um, The guy who did all of my arrangements, James Russian, who is a fantastic a uh, musician has very, very different beliefs than I do about God and about the world. And yet he, he has told me time and time again that these songs are important and that they need to be heard. And I think, wow, how interesting, like how the Holy Spirit works 
um, with the words that he gives you, you just don't know how they're going to affect other people. Um, so really my hope, my hope with this music and my hope with this album is that it is an invitation, um, into hope that it kind of just rips the roof off of anyone's idea of spirituality, that it, uh, that it turns it on its head and kind of breaks open that box that we have God in and gives people just new language and new vocabulary for spiritual things. Um, I talked about this at the concert that you came to, but to be honest, I'm just kind of bored with a lot of Christian music. We, we fall into kind of some of these same narratives and same patterns of writing, which aren't, there's nothing wrong with them, but it just gets a little old. And with, with God being just so vast and the story of God being so vast, I just wanted to write about some more avenues, some more things, um, than I'm currently hearing, uh, in Christian radio. So by creating an album that sort of was neither this nor that, it sort of allowed me the freedom to be able to play with that. Um, and I think and hope that it resonates with a wider audience and not just people that have chosen to follow Jesus, but people that are interested in Jesus, people that totally reject Jesus, people that, you know, like to be challenged or are interested in spiritual things. I just wanted to make more room at the table. I love that. There was, a, um, and the concert that you referred to was physically distanced, limited people, all the, yeah. all the things in 2020. Um, but there was a, a beautiful duet that you did with a friend of yours who is an atheist. And in that moment, what I, what I thought is that this is music that makes space at the table, as you said, but it makes space for people who had a different experience of church growing up. Yeah. And um, you grew up as a preacher's uh, daughter, you grew up in a healthy environment, but not everybody experienced the same thing. And her, her that duet was so powerful for me because it was such a, it's so important to remember, I, I grew up in the faith as well, and I, it was just so important to remember that not everybody has our same experience. So for somebody to say, I'm an atheist and be like, oh, you know, uh, but there's stories behind that, right? right? Like every person is a story and every story matters to God. And I think this music makes room for the fact that, you know what, I honor and respect that your experience of the church was different than mine. Yeah. Or maybe you walk through some things in your life that caused you to have some questions. And, you know, we, we believe what we believe for a reason, but it, there's so much compassion and it's not just your music. It's actually how you live your life. Thank um, you for saying that. But yeah, with your, with sort of one foot in, in church and one foot in theater, um, you know, those, we know a lot of people who walk that line and, uh, I think you do it. I think you do it really beautifully. Um, I want to talk about one particular song. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite. And uh, I, want to, I want to talk about it because I know that our listeners will resonate with it so much. And please forgive me. I don't remember the name of it, but it is The Mountain and the Fear and the yes. Lady. <laughs> yes. I knew what's, that, what's I knew the name that of it? was the one you were going to say. It is called The Mountain Ode yeah. to Lady Fear. Yep. Yeah. Tell us about how that song came to be and uh, what inspired you to write it and all of the things. Sure. Um, so uh, fear is something I have battled with in many different forms throughout my life. Um, I've had some strange anxiety disorders in the past. It, it's manifested in 
a couple different ways, but an area of my life it had never touched was my performing. Um, until last year, I was hired to be a swing, which is a theater term for a person who is hired to understudy multiple roles in a production who at a moment's notice could go on for one of those roles. And this can be anywhere from two or three roles to 10 or 12 roles in some productions. Um, so it was my first time doing this. And I was working on a production that was a dream show. I loved what I was doing. And I was understudying four women in the show. And I got the call that I was going to be going on for the lead that night. And what should have been a phone call that caused elation and celebration caused panic, just a total panic um, and anxiety and fear. And I was so heartbroken that I was having this response to something that I loved so much and that fear had crept its way into yet another area of my life. Um, and, you know, I, I went on that night, I executed the role, uh, with excellence and nothing went wrong. So praise God. But, um, it sort of left me with this feeling of like, uh, is this something that I'm just going to have to battle like my whole life? And the answer to that is sort of, Yes, it is. Um, I'm not someone who sort of thinks fear just disappears and we pray it away one day and it never comes back again. <laughs> I mean, God, right, God right. bless you if you've had that experience. I, I, I would love to know if that has happened for you. But for me, I don't think it's ever going to just be completely eradicated in my life. It's always creeping around, but I have learned how to talk to my fear and what helped me talk to my fear was writing a song about it. And the song sort of personifies fear. So instead of thinking of fear as this looming feeling, um, I characterized fear to be Lady Fear. So uh, she's a villainous person um, who likes to creep her way into my life. Um, and the song kind of is all about my experience um, basically fighting this villainous lady fear, um, in my life. And, um, so I think it resonates with a lot of people because fear is something that so many of us deal with on a regular basis in big ways and small ways. Um, and my prayer for the song is that it is just a release for some people who have been in that position of, of me just in a total panic about something or just constantly feeling, um, you know, just kind of that image of like, someone's uh, hands just kind of gripping you and you just can never seem to shake off that, that, that sense of being held back or frozen or stuck. Um, I hope that as the song is released over people that, that they really feel um, just a release, just a release and that whatever's in front of them, which in the song is a mountain, you know, or whatever the thing is that, that we're trying to climb that fear's getting in the way of is represented by this mountain image. And I'm hoping that whatever that mountain is for people, that as they listen, they would just be free to climb it. I mean, I mean that 100%. It's so interesting because I remember when you played it, that was the first time that I heard that song. And when you were done, I don't know if you remember this, but there was just like quiet. It wasn't, <laughs> people didn't burst into applause. Everybody, including myself and my husband, were like, what? just happened because <laughs> that song like got somewhere deep inside of me and just rocked my world. And I know it's one that's going to be on repeat oh, for a I lot of people. That. 
when the album comes out. Um, I want to talk about the album and where people can find you in a minute. But before we get to that, you know, I really loved what you said about just what it meant to crawl out of that funk that I think a lot of us can relate to um, in 2020. And I think some people are still finding their way through it or out of it. And so if you were sitting across from somebody at a coffee shop who was really struggling with that, what are three things that you might tell them to help them find their find their way to their next yeah, act? Absolutely. Um, the first one, like I spoke about earlier, ingest material. Like find some books. If reading's not your thing, find some podcasts, watch some movies, like like just like go for a walk, like just think about receiving. Um, I think as highly productive people, we forget how important it is to receive. So my first um, advice would just be, if you're trying to create something and you, you can't get out of the funk, stop trying to produce and just receive. And I think sometimes we hear that be still thing and we think, well, I just have to sit here and do nothing. No, but do something that gives you life that that you can partner with the Holy Spirit in and receive something. So read a book, watch a movie, listen to music. That would be my first thing. Second thing is conversation. Oh my gosh. I, mm, like even just mm-hmm. having this conversation, like my mind is already going in a bunch of directions. There's just something powerful about having long conversations with friends and family in your life. And maybe that's just one person, but I can count countless times throughout this pandemic, whether it's been on a Zoom call or a small group of people, you know, in the park or around a table where you just allow time to linger and people can really just talk about things that are on their heart. Um, There's something just really beautiful about inspiration that can flow from having just a really great conversation with someone in your life. And it also just allows you to get perspective that may not be your own and have a different lens and, and kind of back to that thing of just like experiencing someone else's story. So that would be my second thing. And I guess the third thing, I think something that I learned and that got me out of the, the funk was just like, even if you have a small idea that seems stupid or, or weird or not good, like just see what happens if you just roll with it write it down. Like I've tried to get really a lot better at just the minute I have like a phrase come to my head or a melody come to my head. I just whip out my, my phone, my notes app and I just write it down or I just take a small voice recording. And even if it doesn't turn into anything, it might affect something else. So I think just not being afraid of humble beginnings of something, I think highly productive people, we think we have to just like have the amazing thing. We're, we're perfectionists, right? Like we want mm-hmm. the finished product. We don't want the rough draft. <laughs> I was always mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. at rough drafts in school. I just wanted to write the final draft. But um, right. I think just being better at going with a spark of an idea, even if you don't see the whole flame, like just, just allow yourself, have grace with yourself and, um, and write it down. You never know. Yeah. I once heard somebody say that, uh, when I act on an idea that I have, that is obedience. It's not the outcome of Mm. where that ends. It's just that this is an idea and seeing this through is just my act of obedience. So good. Um, yeah, so I love that. Um, tell me where people can find you online so they can get all of the updates about the album when it comes out. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I would love if you would follow me on Instagram. That's sort of where I'm trying to build my following and my audience for the music coming out. So you can find me, Brianna Barnes. Um, It's at Brianna underscore Barnes underscore on Instagram. Um, You can also find me on my website, which is just my first name dash last name. So Brianna dash Barnes. Dot com. There you can read about the music and where you can find it, which will be anywhere that you find music. So Apple Music, Spotify, all of the things. We are hoping for the music to come out um, at the start of 2021 to start afresh in the new year. Um, but I'm excited to, uh, yeah, get this music in your ear buds that you can just be rocking out with me uh, with your new year. Let me tell you, the music is exceptional. Absolutely (laughs) exceptional. And it is so moving and it does walk that line. Like you said, that it is, it is for believers. It is for people who don't know Jesus. It is for everybody in between. It really is. uh, It really is, as you said, music that makes space at the table. Mm. And that's really what we're called to do. So um, I love that. Yeah. Do you mind saying a prayer over our listeners who, you know, we talked about listeners who might still sort of be in that funk and not sure where to go. Do you mind just Mm -hmm. saying a prayer over them before we close? Absolutely. Lord Jesus, you, you illuminate the eyes of our imagination. We read that. Um, in scripture that you have the, the hope and the power to illuminate the eyes of our imagination. So I just pray right now for any listener who's on this call, who is a creative or an entrepreneur or someone who's feeling stuck by this year or by the circumstances of this year, God, that you would illuminate their imagination, that this would not be wasted time, that it would in fact be a time where they just receive the goodness and the beauty of who you are, where where new ideas flourish, and not even just for the sake of creating something amazing, but just for the sake of growing close to you. Um, and experiencing your beauty and your grace and your love in a magnificent, um, fresh way. Um, I just pray for hope to be restored for listeners who are just feeling like they don't even know what hope is anymore, God, that you would restore hope, that you would restore strength and vitality, God, um, and that your creative genius would be the thing that makes the difference in the lives of these listeners, God, that that your voice just penetrates through the darkness, even if it's just the smallest little crack or crevice of light, God, that we would um, hold on to that and really just find uh, the hope that we know that only you can give, that only Jesus can give. And we thank you, God for all of the things that are going to come out of this broken year. I'm excited to see all of the amazing, beautiful things that you create new out of the old of this year, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I am so, so thankful that I got to be here. (laughs) I'd like to thank Brianna Barnes for joining me on the show today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Brianna online at donsadler.com slash 045. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. This helps us reach even more listeners with incredible testimonies of how God is moving in the marketplace. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. Conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. 
I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Thanks for listening. 